Welcome back to another episode of The Bovine. I'm your host, Deborah Murphy, and thanks to our partners at Alberta Beef Industry Conference and Zinpro Performance Minerals. Zinpro Minerals help animals achieve stronger nutritional status, enhancing growth while benefiting both producers and consumers. And right now, I'm joined by Danny Timmins, who is MNP's National Cybersecurity Leader. Danny, hello. Hi there. And you're from the east side of the country. I am, You've yep. flown all this way to yep. talk to us about cybersecurity. Yeah, and people are still talking to me, even though I'm from the east side of the country. Are they? <laughs> that, that is a pro for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you, you spoke today uh, about cybersecurity in general, but yep. also what we can do to kind of um, keep ourselves safe, right? Mm-hmm. Can you first give us just a bit of background on how easy it is for somebody to hack into our whatever that is our mm-hmm. computer our phone our um, agricultural mm-hmm. technology well you know it's not that hard uh, it's just you have to be a target um, for something like there has to be a reason why somebody would want to do that um, you know, one of the things that I talked about today to the uh, ABIC conference was really around hacking and social engineering. So they're kind of, they're different, but they're all part of the same strategy when it comes to the adversary, the cyber criminal. So their goal is to try to find a way to uh, get past your, your into your system so that can do something. So that something could be um, exfiltrating data information out of your systems. The second thing is they could be wanting to put balance malware on your system so that they could monitor you, they could command and control, they can spy on you. And then at some point in time, they could launch um, a, a ransomware uh, on on your systems and, uh, to lock your systems out so that you wouldn't be able to do whatever that is. And then they would extort you. They would say, um, you know, Deborah, now, you know, you would you would be calling them because they, you would, a little thing would come up on your systems and say, hey, call us because now you're locked out. And uh, they would say, okay, well, if you want your systems back, you know, we think um, we want to we want to charge you X amount of dollars. So they sometimes don't know who you are, so they take a shot in the dark. But sometimes they know who you are. So if you're a big, I know at some point you want to talk with JBS. They knew who they were. Sometimes they're in a big organization, but they don't know. So they'll say, well, we want 500000 versus $10 million. Um, and so it's really, it's just really dependent on the hacker, who, who the hacker is. Sometimes small time, sometimes bigger. Sometimes they just don't know who, who, what systems they're in, believe it or not. They just don't know. And so the, 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 how, going back to how easy it is, it's really how, how easy are you going to make it? So we talked a little bit about, you know, what are some of the things that you can do for yourself personally? You can uh, add a uh, multi-factor of some sort, like a pass key of some sort. So as an example, almost every application today that's out there, the major ones, have the ability to turn on multi-factors, meaning that you have your username and password when you log in, and then there's a code that's sent to your cell phone or sent to your email that you would add to that. Now, if somebody grabs a hold of your username and password, and we talked about uh, the the multi-use of of uh, the reuse, sorry, of username and passwords, um, is is uh, is probably one of the biggest things that's out there. So, kind of, if I could take a step just backwards, how do people get a hold of your username and password? Maybe a good good one. So you sign into say a mom and pop shop somewhere or a, a larger retail, and they get breached. That information that's breached is sold on what we call the dark web. 
now the next time, next ne there's another person who's another entrepreneur, if you want to call a cyber uh, cyber criminal entrepreneur, goes out there and grabs, uh, let's say a thousand of those username and passwords. They're going to use those username and passwords to try to get into say other retailers. So once they go into that retailer, let's say it's uh, you know Canadian Tire is an example, they try to log in and that and 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 they don't have multi-factor turned on. They can see that there's you know credit card information. They might be able to actually use your credit card and then do a fraudulent activity. Now, but if you had, if you had the, if you had the two factor set on, there's no way they log in and they can get through it because that pass key uh, is going to be sent to your phone or your email and they don't have that. And so that's a simple way for a personal. Now in business, it's very similar. In business, if you have multi-factor, especially for if you're having people connect to you externally, very important to have multi-factor because you don't always know who's connecting to you externally. Somebody grabs a username and password, then they have access. Internally, it's different. That person internally is in the internal network. So usually... Deborah, we know that you work there, so it's it's uh, it's it it would be harder for somebody to do that. Although it we do do we do some testing around impersonation, which if you're listening to the, to, to the presentation, where we would sneak into the to the building, connect to the inside of the building, and then log and try to see what we can do, try to connect um, within the network unbeknownst to the organization and then just leave because nobody said anything to us because we're we do it at low times of the day or we try to find a conference room or something that people aren't in and somebody comes in we go oh sorry we'll just leave and people don't ask a lot of questions believe it or not because it's a trust society that we have here in Canada and even in North America and so people trust each other um, to uh, you know thinking that everybody's doing the right thing but that's why we have to be diligent about um, you know around cybersecurity and just security overall. Hopefully that answered your question. It was a long answer. That was intense. And now I don't even know where to go because all I'm thinking about is should I sign out of the hotel Wi-Fi? Well, uh, Wi-Fi is another interesting one. Um, and, and, and again, you don't want to set paranoia, yes. but you want people to be, uh, to realize that these things are possible and they do happen. Um, as an example, if you're, we're today, we're uh, fortunate to be at the Fairmont here, which is a beautiful uh, Fairmont Banff, um, beautiful place. But if I, I could easily have a rogue device, one that you would not see, I have a bag, you saw me bring in a bag, I could have it in the bag, I could have it on a battery pack, and I could have a, I could create a wireless, uh, a SID, you know, that SID that you see, the, the, the name, the name convention, I could call it Fairmont ABEC, right? And so you're all of a sudden, you're not connected yet, um, and you're looking to connect, and you're looking at a goal, oh, they got a special one for me, and then you, collect, you connect to it. And then I might ask you to sign into something or I might just, just leave it alone. And then I can watch the transition of whatever uh, is happening because I have, you're, you are now on mine, uh, my network, not the hotel's network. So it's always important to be diligent if you're at uh, Starbucks. You can always ask the question, what's, your, what's the Starbucks uh, uh, name uh, for wireless? And so you want to make sure that you're logging into that one and not the person beside you who has one that's, that's a, rogue, a rogue device. Now, does it, hap it does happen. Does it happen often? No. But, you know, like it, 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 you have to be diligent because that's how people will capture things that you don't want them to capture. For sure. So... There's, there are many ways that we can mitigate against this. You mentioned one, um, you know, making sure you're on the correct Wi-Fi 
but also our passwords are pretty brutal. They are. In general. Yeah. Like, we use terrible passwords. Yeah. Tell us what is your ideal password. How often do you want it to see it changed? Yeah. And, of course, we know you shouldn't have two accounts yeah. the same. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a lot of strategies around that. People have different strategies. Um, what, what I would say is... If you can, tr I know this, sometimes it's really hard, right? If I say to you, okay, I want, I, I, you need to make it 12 characters because that's actually the number that you should have it at, at 12 characters. Passwords are only as good as your multi-factor, number one. Okay, so let's get that multi-factor out of the way. Right. Turn on multi-factor, turn on multi-factor or passkey, whatever, however you want to call it have to turn that on number one but for your for your password if you make it 12 characters try to make it something that you that that uh, that you can remember so as an example there might be a lyric in a song there might be a poem there might be something don't try to make it four things in that 12 characters that are that you won't remember like door car key like they don't there's something doesn't flow it's going to be really hard to remember add um capital letter to it, add, uh, well, of course, capital, like lowercase and uppercase, if you want to put it that way, add uh, special characters, add numbers into it. So so one of the strategies can be, as an example, um, I use this in the past, I love ice cream, or I love my kids, or something of that sort, right? You can, you can st you make the I a one, you could make a, the O an actual O, you can make uh, one of the other letters an eight. So you can, as long as you remember, you know, the letters and combinations, you can make an exclamation mark, uh, you can make a, a question mark in there somewhere at the end, at the beginning, a period. And so that all of a sudden becomes much more difficult for somebody to break that password. Uh, it's, it's more difficult to break a password that's over 12 characters with those, with those um, you know special characters and numbers in them than it is when they're below that. We have special cracking software ourselves, uh, you know, within our office. So sometimes when we're doing when we're doing testing, we'll grab what's called a hash. And a hash, just think of it as a is something that you can't see what the password is. It's just like a, a think stars, like a mm -hmm. twelve stars or ten stars, and it's but that hash is real. And so we were able to break those hashes um, if they're below that kind of twelve mark. Very much more much more difficult if they're above that. Um, but again, my strategy is really around username and password. Try to use your username and password for. Um, as an example, uh, if you were to uh, log into your system, keep that separate. If you were to log into retail, like applications, keep that one different and keep one for everything else so that at least you have a little bit of a broken, uh, kind of a broken up a little bit. So so that you're not having username and password the same across the entire board. And then try to refresh it. And there's also like if you add like a, um, uh, a password keeper, mm -hmm. sometimes those password keeper will actually generate a password for you. And so it's a very complicated password and you're not going to remember it, but the password keeper, re keeper remembers it for you. So there are some strategies like that. Uh, hopefully in the next five years, passwords will go away and it'll be all around pass keys. But again, um, that's that's a little ways away like for personal I mean it probably not that far because you know your phones there's your finger your eye your facial recognition so let's everything's moving to some type of multi-factor over time and then they're checking right so once in a while you have to actually sign in with your password even though you sign in with your 
if you have an Apple phone or I don't know sure what you know what people have, but if they have a phone that recognizes them facially, then every once in a while though it asks you for your password because it doesn't want you to forget it, but it also wants to you to know that there's still two factors that are happening. It's just making it easy on the first try. And those password management uh, applications, they're safe. The, well, for the most part, they're safe. Um, they have been a few of them have been uh, compromised over the last years. Of course, they're huge targets. As you, know, yes. you can see why. Um, but uh, one just got compromised recently, and it's you know the best way to, to go about it is to go online and say what you know what are the best uh, password um, keepers, and they'll kind of you know they'll you go you go to t- two to three sites, and they'll if the if the same one kind of comes up, you know that that one's probably a reasonably good one. There's no perfect safety net, unfortunately, out there. That's why, Deborah, what do we add? To our username and password, multi-factor. Oh, so, so, so you're, I wasn't you're ready sold, to get right? tested. And, so, and and I know it's a bit of a pain, but honestly, if you add that, then if you get compromised, then it still people can't get into those accounts because because you have your cell phone or you have you have your email. Is the cell phone is the best because it's something you have, um, but you also have your email too, right? And not every one of them asks for it every single time. They there, don't. They, you, there are some now that are starting to say, you know, trust my device for two weeks That's and right. then ask me again. That's right. So we we can get through this. Yes. Little. Yes, you can. <laughs> you you talked about um, what could be a target. So these uh, password yeah. keepers are a target. Um, could what would make us a target? What made JBS a target? Well. Okay, there's lots of stories out there. Um, I think, well, if, if they did know who the, who they were, then you can just think about the size of that organization. And um, sometimes it's random. Nobody truly knows, you know, because, uh, the, you know, the cyber criminal doesn't come out and say, well, let me let me do a documentary on, you know, on, on, on how I do this, right? And, you know, sometimes if they get caught, they'll kind of walk through this, but uh, they typically, law enforcement's dealing with that. Um, but, you know, for JBS, basically, they got caught compromised uh, um, they think it was a, a hack and then somebody uh, you know the hack got and then uh, added um, malware into their system and then they basically sat there for a while I think they were in their system for, for a long time they were looking around and exfiltrating information out of their systems and then at some point in time they decided okay this is a good time and typically and I can't remember JBS but you know we do a lot of incident response so I can tell you a lot of them happen on Fridays and the reason for Fridays is because we have the weekend mm-hmm. and businesses are typically, you know, slowed down. Corporate is, you know, corporate, maybe the, the operational piece is going seven by 24, but there, there's the Friday is a great time to actually execute these because their stress is elevated to the another, next level because it's all of a sudden Friday night, you know, people love their weekends and all of a sudden they, they're stressed out because they're having to go back to work and they, and their systems aren't working. So, so for JBS specifically, um, they basically said, you know, like if you can't get your systems up and running, you know, they didn't say that to them. They said, listen, you, we want $11 million. I think it was. Um, and, uh, and, and JBS knew that they couldn't get their systems back up and running. So they had, so they're, they work with the insurer and, um, probably like a guy like Chris that you had talking like somebody of like that or the cyber breach coach. And they basically started to negotiate with them. So I don't know where they didn't really talk about the negotiation 
negotiation piece, but you're actually negotiating on the other side. So you're talking to them about maybe they maybe they asked for more at the beginning because the details aren't out on that. I didn't see the details on that. But so let's just say they asked for 20 and they worked them down to 11 or 15, but they do negotiate. So, but you have to have somebody like our Chris or somebody that understands how to negotiate with the adversary to say, you know, we can't afford it. We're not going to be able to do it. And then the insurer's there and the insurer's the, at the end of the day, the one that says yes or no. Okay, we accept 11 million. Uh, okay, fine. They pay it. Then what happens is they'll send the keys. But often they've already taken your information and they also say, okay, we're going to give you all your information. Statistically, I'm not saying JBS did this happen, but statistically, they organizations only get 60 to 60 to 65 percent of their information back wow that's so, stark because they because these people have so much information they don't even know that it's not like they're a, an organization that cares about you so they're not stacking it in a nice pile and saying this is a folder they, they're probably just pushing this information into multiple folders and then you're asking for it back and they don't even know where their data is so they're saying okay here's a whole bunch of information this is all we got on you and 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 uh and typically it's not did that, did that help a little bit on mm -hmm. jbs okay yeah and i'm yeah. just curious too because i think of jbs is a huge company they've huge. they've thought about this before this isn't this isn't a new um, issue, right? But are 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 companies in general taking cybersecurity seriously yeah. enough? So, I I don't want to talk disparately about JBS because you know I wasn't in the organization. I can't tell you how mature they were, but I can tell you a lot of organizations their wake up call is a cyber breach. Ah, doesn't matter on size. Doesn't matter on size, and it sometimes and sometimes they are not as uh, they haven't done the right things within those organizations, over their organization, and then they're breached, and then they really take it seriously. And so I've been doing this for for 23 years, and I can tell you that it surprises me when we do get a breach that we're working on ourselves here in Canada, and that organization, I look at it and go, okay, wow, they were not ready. They didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. Um, they were way behind. Uh, and they're going to suffer for that for a while because it takes time to recover. And then there's a trust factor with your clients, right? Like the people that you're doing work with could be B2B, could be B2C, depending on, you know, who you're doing work for. There's, it takes time for that trust to come back because if you didn't get out there in front, uh, right away and say, Hey, I have had a breach. <clears throat> some, some organizations just stand back and say, Oh, I don't want to tell anybody. Most important thing is to get out. Trust is, is, uh, disappears with uh, clients within a 48-hour period. So if you're not telling them, then they've, they, they, they start to think about uh, the trust factor. Okay, well, why didn't they, get, why didn't they tell us? What are they hiding? Yeah. So if you get out right in front and say you had a breach and you're looking into it and you're going to do everything you can to, um, to get back to the, to the clients about, you know, were you exposed and so on and so on, that is going to sit better with them than just holding back the information as an example. So hopefully that's a question. Yeah, and crisis yeah. communications, yeah. it just fits right into there. And I could keep you all day, I think, and talk about cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, I just want to leave with one thing, and sure. that is if we were to leave today and make a crisis um, plan that included cybersecurity, what, yeah. what, like, what would your first step be? I think, think the first step would be for, um, 
for for uh, for organizations just to uh, just to understand first of all their maturity. And I talked a little bit about doing a health check. You can do it yourself a little bit, but you maybe need somebody from the outside to kind of help you understand that health check. Just like you go to a doctor, the doctor's telling you 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 you're going to the doctors. You want to find out. Is my blood work good? Is my respiratory good? Am I, you know, do you know? He does all those kind of checks on you, and then and then and then they they come back to you and say, okay, you know, you've got a couple of things that you should work on, yeah, and and it gives you a strategy, right? And and so you should prioritize this or or do that. It's the same goal ultimately. You need to understand what your maturity level is in your organization. You need to know what you're going to prioritize. Like, uh, you know, some organizations will fix this. A, but they should actually fix C first. So they need somebody that has the ability to help them understand what are the priorities they should be focused on. As an example, we talked about multi-factor, very important. We talked about email filtering systems, very important. If they don't, what if they did something else before they did those two things? It's not that the money is wasted, it's just that their risk has not been lowered to the extent that it could have been if they would have focused on those areas. So making sure that they're focusing on the right areas uh, to mature their program would be probably the most important thing uh, for an organization. Hopefully that answered your question. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. And Danny, thank you for your time today. This has been excellent. Very welcome. Thank you, Deborah. That was Danny Timmons. He's MNP's National Cybersecurity Leader. Zinpro is making all our podcasts possible here at the Alberta Beef Industry Conference. To learn more about Zinpro Performance Minerals, visit zinpro.com. And everybody go change your passwords.